you know, at the first service, uh, I don't think Verna would mind me saying that, you know, she stood up and said that when Jesse was preaching last week, he, he asked a question, have you ever heard God? And she said, you know, I have. Like, there was a moment in her life when she was, didn't know what to do, and she prayed, and she, she heard directly to move and, and to the West Coast, and she went to work for the next five or six years for Bluebird out West. But it was so powerful, this idea that God speaks to us and God meeting you in these places of need. You know, God showing up through that young man in Lewis's life at just the right moment. And, and we're starting a new sermon series today, and it's called Calling. Because I just deeply believe that God created every single one of you and me, and that He is calling all of you and me. He God has a calling. And so how do we hear that? How do we hear the the voice of God calling us? Because this is the deal for me. I don't need a lot. Like, if I know God has called me, if I can go a long time. Like, I don't need God to just speak to me every single day. You know what I'm saying? If God, if I just knew God was calling me, and and that I was where I needed to be. That would fuel me to keep going. And that's what I want for all of you. That's what I have a lot in my life. And it's funny, the scripture for today is, I've never preached on it. I've never heard anybody preach on it before. Um, but I've heard it referenced a lot in fights. And as I've wrestled with the scripture this week, <laughs> I just think that we're missing the point of it. So... I would like to invite you to stand in body or in spirit for the reading of the scripture for today. It's coming from Psalm chapter 14. It's written for the director of music, Psalm of David. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. Their deeds are vile. There is no one who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on all mankind to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God. All have turned away. All have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. Do all these evildoers know nothing? They devour my people as though eating bread. They never call on the Lord. But there they are, overwhelmed with dread. For God is present in the company of the righteous. You evildoers frustrate the plans of the poor, but the Lord is their refuge. Oh, that salvation for Israel would come out of Zion when the Lord restores His people. Let Jacob rejoice and be glad. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. I don't know if this message is for everybody today. I really don't. And I was praying about it this morning. And um, I do believe it might be for somebody, though. But, but if this message is not for you, you know, you can just balance your checkbook or... Uh, Maybe better, you could pray. <laughs> pray for those around you. Pray for me. But 
I do pray that this message is for someone today. God created all things and all people for God's own glory. God created all of us for His own glory. And God, this Creator, has given us so much freedom. Do you understand this? Like, God created you and me, and then He turns us loose, and He's given you freedom to live for God or not. He's given us freedom to trust God or not. He's okay either way. God has given us freedom to know ourselves as we truly are or to not and to fool ourselves and to put on masks. God has given us freedom to love and care for people around us or freedom to exploit people and use people and just try to get our way all the time. God has given us the freedom, you and me. God has given you freedom to live your life in such a way that you live simply with joy and gratitude for the blessings of life. Or freedom to live in deep dread and anxiety and stress and constantly worrying about where the next thing is coming from and living as if everything is up to you and that you are responsible for eking out a miserable existence. Isn't the word eking a great word? We don't think about that enough. But isn't it neat that you and I are free to live in deep joy and gratitude or misery? God created you and me for His glory, and God has a calling for your life and for mine right now. God has a purpose for you. Merton says this, A tree gives glory to God. By being a tree. A tree gives glory to God by being itself. By being a tree. This morning I was in the backyard watching my puppy play and paw the ground and run around. A dog gives glory to God by being a dog. A flower gives glory to God by being a flower. And you give glory to God by being you, by being your true self, the self God is calling you to be. But this is where it gets hard, doesn't it? You already know it, right? The truth is, trees do a better job of glorifying God and being themselves than you do and I do. Are you tracking with that? Somebody told me after the first service that somebody had to put their pet down, their dog down, and the vet was trying to explain it to the dog. And why does the dog die so young, but people live so long, so much longer? And the boy said, I think I understand why, because it takes people a long time to figure out how to be good, but dogs just, they come out that way. 
And that kind of captures it, right? A dog does not sit around wondering what its purpose is and resisting, but we do. All right. So why is this so hard? At some point in our journey, we fell. We fell from grace. At some point in our journey, you could say we developed an ego. We, we all did the sin of Adam and Eve. We've all decided to, it's funny, she was talking about clothes, you know, we've all decided to wear fig leaves, not the armor of God. We've decided to make garments for ourselves and cover up our uh, vulnerability and our brokenness, all right? And that's the ego, all of us. So we all play this game. We learn to wear masks, and Merton calls this the false self, that God has created us to be our true self living for the glory of God, created in the image of God. But rather than that, we present an image of ourselves, a version of ourselves. We even fool ourselves, don't we, into who we think we're supposed to be. We present a version of ourselves to the world rather than live from our core identity in God. I, I hate to say this, but I was trying to think of an illustration. Um... Because personally, I, I have no problem with plastic surgery, and I know that there are times when that's necessary and helpful and all of that. But have y'all ever seen somebody who had too much plastic surgery? And I'm really not trying to be ugly. Like, but you know what I mean. You see somebody, and it's like, oh, my word. And they, they, you feel sorry for them, don't you? And, and they can't undo it. Because it's like, in the attempt to look a certain way, they become a caricature. You see it with celebrities a lot, but sometimes we see it amongst ourselves, too. And it's like, oh, my word, and you just feel so bad. Okay, dear friends, that's what I feel like you and I, all of us are doing. Like, we would laugh at somebody or feel sorry for somebody who has too much plastic surgery, but emotionally and mentally and spiritually speaking, that's what we're all doing all the time. We're covering up. And it's gross. And it's exhausting. And it's not who we're meant to be. The Scripture for today, the only time I've ever heard this Scripture used is on social media as a taunt against atheists. What does it say? The, the beginning of the psalm, a fool says in their heart, there is no God. And I promise you, come April Fool's Day this year, you will have a Christian friend, I air quotes, Christian friend, who will say, Happy National Atheist Day! <laughs> Do you get it? Because a fool says in his heart there is no God, so therefore April Fool's Day is National Atheist Day. And of course, when they do that, of course, all their atheist friends immediately repent and give their life to God because that's exactly how you win the lost to the kingdom. Hashtag sarcasm. All right, so, all right. But it, it drives me crazy because as I've studied this text this week, here's what I've realized, and maybe you're with me, I don't know. But here, here, here's what I've realized about Psalm 14. This is not a diatribe against atheists. Far from it. This is a plea to you and me. I believe this psalm is not, I mean, yes, I'm sure it in some way applies to your friend or family member who's just really gotten to hardened in their belief against God. I get that, okay? 
But I believe this psalm is way more for me than even for my atheist friends. And I have friends who are atheists that I love very much. Because the thing is, I love what it says, a fool. And by the way, fool doesn't mean stupid. In the Old Testament, fool is, is as opposed to wise. This has to do with mo- our morality. A fool is someone that's making moral errors with their life. And it says, a fool says where? In their heart. There is no God. And that is what I've been wrestling with. Because here's the deal. Every single one of you just about, I'm sure, stood up and with your head said the Nicene Creed today. It's kind of long, I know, right? But it's, it's super easy in the Bible Belt as Christians to believe in God with our head. But it's so much harder to believe with your heart. There are three ways, real quick, there are three ways that I believe we are tempted to believe in our heart that there is no God. And the first way is when we just want to sin. I call this light switch Christianity. Back in the day when I used to struggle with really obvious gross sins, now I've graduated to really refined sins. I'm making a lot of, that was a joke, nobody liked All right, so yeah, now my sins are much more respectable. But back when I did those low-hanging fruit sins, I called it light switch Christianity, which is like I, I want to follow God, follow God, I love Jesus, I love Jesus, but then come Friday I want to turn off that light so I can go do what I want to do. And isn't that a form of believing in my heart? There's no God. God's not going to see this. I'm going to do what I want to right now, right? So that's one way that we get sucked into unbelief is God, God doesn't see this right now. Um, and then the, the second way is through doubt and disbelief. And so this is something I struggle with. I know many of you struggle with this. We can drift into doubt. Doubt doesn't mean you're not a believer. Doubt is the shadow of faith. If you have faith, you often have doubt. But when doubts creep in, often we begin to go, is there a God? Is this thing real? Can God be trusted? Is this worship thing we're doing on Sunday, is this all a show? Is this making any difference? Does prayer make a difference? All that's very normal, but that is a form of letting that creep into our heart say, is there really a God? And the third way, this is very common in the church, that we can slip into unbelief and in our hearts say there's no God, is through pain and suffering. I see this a ton as a pastor. A ton of people who feel they should believe in God, but are having a hard time because of what they have gone through or a loved one has gone through. And so pain and suffering can truly make it where we don't want to have God on the throne of our heart, and we end up with a vacancy there, and of course then we fill it with other things, usually ourselves. It's like when Jesus was in the, um, being tempted in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. See, the reason that this is real is the devil tried to tempt Jesus with this very temptation. He was fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and he was hungry. And guys, hunger is a form of suffering. If you're truly hungry, that's pain and suffering. So Jesus is suffering, and what's the devil's temptation? If you are the Son of God, turn these stones to bread. And usually people think that's Jesus being tempted to use his power. But that's not it. It's a temptation about his identity. He's saying, if you're the Son of God, if there's a God, if God loves you, you shouldn't have to suffer. 
Because see, the devil, that's a temptation for the devil because the devil cannot live with a tension that God can be good and loving and that there might be pain and suffering in this life. Are y'all with me on this? So this is real, and I see so many people who are believers, who are people of faith, who then down the road something happens and they don't get their answer and suddenly there's no throne, there's no God on the throne of their heart. I just, I'm, I want to plead with us today. I want to plead with you today to consider that maybe this verse is not just for atheists. The fool says in his heart or in her heart, there's not a God. The scripture then says what that leads to. And this is why I want to talk about it. Do you see what this leads to when we don't have a God that we're trusting in and listening to? Crickets, crickets, okay. Um, do you see, do you want me to read it again? No. All right, here's one thing it leads, there's two big things that it leads to. One of them is fear. Did you hear where it says, there they are, overwhelmed with dread. When you, in your heart, by the way, your heart is not the thing beating in your chest. In the scriptures, when it talks about the heart, the heart is the, it's not even the core of who you are, it's the ground of your being. The, the heart is not your emotions, the heart is the place from which your emotions spring. Does that make sense? And so, and that's why the issue is so critical, because in our heart, when we don't have this, this sense of the reality of God, in our heart, which is the only place God can be known. We are going to then drift into dread. We're going to drift into fear. How many of you, or how many of you have people in your life who are living in fear all the time? Who are living in dread, impending doom, waiting for the other shoe to drop? Well, things are good now, but you know it's going to get worse. I mean, you know it always, right? I mean, does anybody have anyone that lives? I, by the way, I'll testify. Amen, preacher. <laughs> yeah, this is me. I, I can be just so negative. Why? Because all of life is up to me. On the throne of my heart sits a really terrible God, and his name is Tom. And when Tom's on the throne of Tom's heart, guess what? Be very afraid. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? But if there is a God, then it makes total sense what Jesus says. Hey, why do you worry about tomorrow? God takes care of the birds. He'll take care of you. God takes, right? That makes sense. If there's a God, if there's not a God, we better get to working. So it leads to fear and dread. You know what else it leads to? Greed. Greed. Our culture is such a godless culture right now because we are so consumed with greed. Do you hear what the, the line in the psalm where it says, they devour my people as though eating bread. When there's no God in your life, it's real hard to love the people around you. And what you end up doing is using the people around you. Relationships are always self-serving. It's always about what making me okay. And there's never enough money. 
There's never enough stuff. So this is the start of a new series. I really hope you'll come back. I hope it's for somebody in this room. But this is my hope for you and for me, is that you and I will actually hear and know the voice of God calling us. This has got to be so much bigger than a career or a job. We need to get back to that old word, vocation. The word vocation is related to the Latin where we get our word vocal because a vocation is a calling. And I don't care what you're doing. I don't care if you're a preacher or not. This is not about ministry. This is about Christians. This is about all of us. In fact, clergy are not immune. It is possible to have a career but be living out of your false self and not out of your true self, and you're missing your calling. I know a friend who has a pre- whose dad was a preacher, and he said, my, my father started three churches in anger. And on the outside, it looked really good. His career looked really good, and I'm sure God used him. But you know what? He was living out of the false self the entire time. And I think at the end of the day, God looks at when we do that, and you know what he says? That's a lot of straw. It's a lot of straw. It doesn't last. What's done out of the false self doesn't last. So that, that's why this is so, I'm so passionate about this, because I want you to know your calling and to live it. It's not about a job. It's about knowing God, the psalm ends with this hopeful prayer. Did you hear it? Let me read it again. He ends, and because he's like, everything's bad, nobody seeks God, the world is a mess, right? That's what Paul quotes in Romans. There is no one righteous, no, not one. All have turned away, right? And then the psalm ends with the psalmist saying, Oh, that salvation for Israel would come out of Zion. What's Zion? Crickets again. Wow, I'm just, just, I'm killing it. Whew. All right, what's Zion? Zion is the city of God. In the scriptures, Zion is the place where God is in charge. And what came out of Zion is the Messiah. Jesus. Salvation for us did come out of Zion. And so this is, this is the landing point for us today. Is I want you to actually know God. But the only person who can reveal God to you is God. Like There is not enough sermons on the internet for you to listen to that will fix you and make you hear God. And there's not enough beautiful Christian music, although we are blessed with some here, right? And all of it's a tool. But at the end of the day, the only person that can speak to your heart is Jesus. And so my prayer for you and for me is not that you'll allow God to speak to you. And if I, at the first service, I prayed it. I said, God, I pray that, you would allow, that we would allow you to speak to us. And then I just started laughing because it's like, Hey, God, I'm going to allow you to speak to me. Like, isn't that ridiculous? We've got it all jacked up. It's not, am I going to allow God to speak to me? It's, God is the, 
So instead of it's like, you need to know Jesus. No, you need to be known by Jesus. And you and I are desperate to hear the Creator, the one who made your nose, the one who made your eyebrows, the one who made your heart speak to you and say, I know you, I made you. And to speak the name that is your true name that no one else knows but only Him who made you. And when He says your name, then you'll say, that's who I am. That's who I've always been. I never knew. And you and I are free to know this Creator. And we're free to ignore Him. Let's pray. Lord, I ask humbly that you would send your Spirit by your grace and that you would open our hearts and unstop our ears and speak a fresh word to our hearts. Lord, I know there are people in this room that you have spoken to them and you, you've changed their life in the past and they have served you and they know the joy of, of a relationship with you. And Lord, I know in a room this size, it's, uh, there's no doubt there are people in here that they don't hear you and they want so badly to even believe that that's possible. And so I pray that today would be the beginning of them saying, Lord, speak to me. I want to hear you. I want to know my true purpose. I want to know who you say I am. Lord, I just pray for a fresh, a fresh speaking. I know that you are speaking, but Lord, unstop our ears and help us to listen. In Jesus' name, amen.